we come to the time each Lord's Day where we want to take a few minutes with our, our kids who are here with us each Lord's Day to continue to, to teach and instruct at least some of the, the, the message of God's Word to their young hearts. You know, we as adults and Christians, we gather together each Lord's Day and I guess we assume that even as adults we have some familiarity with what we're doing and why we're doing it. Uh, now maybe sometimes some weeks we come and there's a disconnect there, we're just going through the motions, but in general... When we come together to pray together, to sing together, to open God's Word together, hopefully we are here because we understand why we're doing these things. But, you know, for some of our kids and for, you know, some of us, it wasn't that long ago. We were kids. You know, we remember going to church and didn't half understand what was going on, why we do these things, and why are we making so much about Jesus. I mean, he, there's a billions and billions and billions of people who've walked the planet why this one? And why do we gather together each Lord's Day to focus upon this one? Well, we've been using this time each Lord's Day, or most Lord's Day, to just kind of focus their young hearts upon the message of the Bible, that really all of the Bible, all of human history, really is about this one individual. Your life, you were made for this one individual. Uh, last Sunday, we, we began preaching a message that we'll continue today called Christ, the hope of or hopelessness of every man, of every woman, of every child. Uh, you, was, as kids, were made for Jesus. Um, and He will either be your hope, or God forbid, your hopelessness. Uh, so this one individual, the God-man, Jesus Christ, really is the most important one who's ever lived. Well, we've been tracing the coming of Jesus through the Old Testament, through the promises of God. And as we've turned the page into the New Testament, now Jesus is born. He came as a baby, born in a manger. And last Lord's Day, we kind of followed him as he was, had grown up to go see John the Baptist. Remember that kind of crazy person who lived in the wilderness and dressed funny and ate funny things? Um, he was baptized by John the Baptist. Well, let's pick up what happens with Jesus next. After Jesus was baptized, he went straight out into the desert. It's not usually a fun place to go, but that's where he went. That might seem like an odd place because, as you know, deserts are hot. There isn't any food or water or places to stay. But Jesus needed to get away by himself and be somewhere quiet and alone. He needed to be with his heavenly father to get ready for his new life. Now, I think this is probably a very obvious question. But who is Jesus' heavenly father? Who's, who is he going into the desert to be alone with? Jesus is going to be alone with his heavenly Father, who is who? God. Yeah, not a trick question. What were you going to say? I saw that. God, yeah. You know, sometimes I ask questions, and they're so easy. It must be a trick question, right? Well, in the desert, Jesus thought about the secret rescue plan that goes all the way back to the foundation of the world. He thought about the secret rescue plan that he had made with God. They both knew what was going to have to happen. To rescue God's children, Jesus would have to die. There was no other way around it. This was the very reason he came. Now that old enemy, the one who had spoken through a snake to Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Ember, back in the Garden of Eden, do you remember who he was? That snake, who was it? Satan. Guess what? He shows up again. Here he comes now, and he approaches Jesus this time. 
And just like he lied to Adam and Eve, so he tried to lie to Jesus. Are you really God's own son? Poor you. God really must not love you. He sent you to die. You know, you don't have to die. Do it my way, Jesus, and you don't have to. And you know what Jesus said to him? What did Adam say to him in the Garden of Eden? Okay, we'll do it your way. But Jesus here says, no, you're a liar. I will do only what God says. And from that moment on, nothing else would be the same. You see, Jesus was not like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Jesus was a new kind of man. He would never believe the terrible lie that, the, that Satan spoke. Jesus knew God. Jesus knew the truth. Jesus knew God loved him, and he would trust God no matter what. It was just as God had promised to Adam and Eve all those years before. Jesus had come to do battle against Satan's work, and he would get rid of Satan's work and Satan and all the darkness and all the tears that he caused. He would suffer, but he would win victory over Satan. There's kind of a picture of Jesus in the wilderness and the idea of Satan coming to him to tempt him. Well, after that temptation, Jesus left the desert and set about to begin the great rescue, right? the thing that God had promised in Genesis 3. He was going to get God's people back, but first he needed to find some helpers and friends. He had a lot to do. He would need some people to help him. So who do you think would make good helpers? Maybe rich people? Strong people? If you were getting somebody to help you do something, what kind of person would you want to get? Hmm? Yeah, I heard, I heard part of it. Nerd? So somebody who's smart? <laughs> A nerdy kind of, like Ambria. Well then, I, oh my goodness, this is getting out of hand fast, people. So somebody said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, smart people. <laughs> What else? Some of our big kids. If you're getting somebody to help you do something, what, what kind of characteristic or attributes are you looking for? Faithful. Something else? Strong. That's a good one. And again, Ambria. Oh, oh, Uncle Freddie. Wow. Okay. Well, one day, Jesus is going around looking for these people. And he's walking by the Sea of Galilee when he saw a couple of brothers and friends mending their nets. And these were not cool people. These were fishermen. Poor, poor fishermen. And Jesus simply called out to them, let's go. It's not exactly what he said, but that's the general idea. And some of those fishermen, Peter and Andrew and James and John, looked at this man on the shore, and they couldn't explain it. Because their boats needed to be put away, their nets needed mending, fish were still wiggling on the shore, but something about this man, about Jesus, something about him made them just drop their nets, leave their fish, leave their boats, leave everything, and follow him. This God-man, Jesus, was like no one they'd ever met before. When they looked at Jesus, their hearts were filled up with a wonderful forever sort of happiness. And it was as if they were free for the first time in their lives. Among these, Jesus asked 12 men to be his helpers, Peter and Andrew, James and John, Matthew, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, another James, 
Simon, Thaddeus, and Judas. And for these 12 individuals, meeting Jesus would change all of them forever. So what has he just done? He's about to begin this secret rescue mission that the Father has sent him on. And he has selected 12 individuals to be his helpers. Anyone know what these individuals are called in the Bible? The disciples. The 12 disciples. And that's an important word. 12 disciples. These are men who saw in Jesus something more wonderful, more amazing than anything they'd ever seen before. And so they left everything they had to go and follow him. And as you look around the room and you look at some of the adults here in the room, that's the reason we're here together this morning. It's not because there's not anything better we could find to do on a Sunday morning. We live busy lives. There's a lot of things that need to be done. But we're here this morning because our hearts have been captured and captivated by one who's greater than anything we've ever seen before. And it's Jesus. And so we come together each Lord's Day to seek him in prayer, to sing to him, and to worship him by opening his word together. That's what we're doing this morning. Like these 12 disciples we can't always explain it, but we have, there has come a point where we have found in him something that we must have. And that's our prayer for you as well, that you'll come to see Jesus in that way as well.